Momentum Podcast, helping you develop a partner network that enables ministry to happen. I was wondering, though, if, it, if that was true, because I, I gave you that email that gave you those four questions, and I was wondering, is that what your population is asking some of these four questions? And we're teasing you guys here. Well, welcome to the Momentum Podcast. My name is Daryl Parsons, and I am so pleased today to be able to introduce my special guest, Jen Fortner. Jen is the Financial Partnership Coordinator. Is coordinator the right term, Jen? I keep losing it. Yeah, yeah. that'll work, Daryl, for sure. Coordinator with, um, with the Assemblies of God World Missions. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a good organization to be a part of. Thanks for having me today. I'm honored to be here. We are so grateful that you were able to take some of your time to uh, have this conversation today. And uh, we have, in our past podcast episodes, talked with number a number of Youth for Christ staffers uh, and a few people from outside who bring different uh, expertise. And uh, when, uh, when we came across your materials, Naomi and I came across your materials a few years ago uh, on your website, your financial partnership blog, your passion for fundraising, uh, specifically for partner development. Uh, and uh, I, I love, there's a little tag you use. It says, um, uh, uh, what is it? Fundraising made relational, mm-hmm. and yeah. I just and I mean that really encompasses the heart of so much of what we want people to really understand about their partner development is the relational aspect. And uh, we've read your blog posts, enjoyed them a great deal, and said, you know, if we could have a conversation with Jen, wouldn't that be fantastic? And look, here you are. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> thank well, you. Good. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it and excited to be a part. Jen, for, for those who would uh, obviously, you know, be unfamiliar with you, can you can you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, mm-hmm. and how you got to this point of being being passionate about partner development. Yeah, I would love to. So I am uh, 37 years old, living here in Springfield, Missouri, in the middle of America. And uh, I grew up here. And um, after I graduated from college, I graduated from a, a little college called Evangel University here in Springfield. I started working with a separate organization called the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And in my early 20s, I started raising up my own support with absolutely no training, no idea what I was doing, and terrified um, of the whole process. So uh, I started reading some books, trying to get some materials on it, and sort of floundered my way through it, but found a couple of really great resources like Funding Your Ministry for Scott Morton, I think had mm-hmm. you know, recently come out around that time, and I started reading that. And then um, a couple of things from uh, Steve Shadrach and their oh, yeah. group with Supporting Solutions. Mm-hmm. And um, so I sort of floundered my way through getting to full support as a missionary with that organization um, in Kansas City. And I uh, was actually an administrator, okay, for a guy that was in executive leadership with the House of Prayer in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And one of his passions was partnership development. And uh, he would train and coach some of the missionaries with that organization. However, he also traveled like once or twice a month because one of his main jobs was to take people who wanted house or churches that wanted houses of prayer. And he would travel to go kind of make that happen in different places all over America and all over the world. Mm -hmm. So 
whenever he would leave, he would put me in charge of coaching and training some of those things. And he would say, you'll be fine. Just you have a passion for this. Just go ahead and do it. And over the years, I got more and more of a heart for that to the point where he just said, you know what, why don't you coach and train in the area of in this, you know, uh, department, why don't you start working on this? And I can tell that this is your jam. So keep doing it. So I really got a heart through actually just kind of being thrown into the fire as a young 20 something, um, of teaching and coaching and looking up Bible verses about the subject. And also through my own experience of trying to figure out how to raise support biblically. Um, and also I, um, just found a lot of my friends and coworkers um, through that organization sort of struggling to try to figure out how to do it um, in a long-term way that was benefiting them. Mm-hmm. So I really started there um, in my 20s. And then uh, I moved back to Springfield, got engaged to my now husband, um, Zach Fortner, and, uh, we, and I got hired here with Eurasia. Um, started working with our uh, population here with Assemblies of God World Missions Mm -hmm. and was just so excited to take what I had learned and kind of develop my own program here with Assemblies of God World Missions. So that is what I do now. Um, And, you know, there's several ways that I've worked it, but I kind of worked. There was no program that sort of existed whenever I came on board Mm -hmm. as far as working with the cohort that I now work with, which is our it's what we call missionary associates. So it's that ground floor of longer term missions, those that are committing to one to two years to go on the field and see if that's something that they want to do for a lifetime. I serve that cohort. So okay. I kind of take the newbies, yep. those 20 one year olds like I was whenever I started out with um, missions work and help them sort of develop um, what they need to develop uh, their teams biblically mm-hmm. in an ongoing way. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons why I was excited to talk to you, because uh, a number of people who will listen to this podcast, Youth for Christ staffers, may be brand new to the position. They may be just you know, starting their partner development journey and, mm-hmm. uh, and speaking from the perspective of somebody who works with new staff. Obviously, there'd be some things that you would, uh, some perspectives that you would be able to share. But I, I would also say, I, I feel like uh, it's also valuable maybe for some of our longer term staff who may be listening to the podcast as well to consider that sometimes it's good to go back to the basics or to think about these questions, right? And, oh, yeah, uh, and absolutely. Do, it could be a valuable, uh, you know, could be a valuable experience for either of those either of those groups um so being that uh the the question right that came to my mind when when we were first talking about this and and you you kind of put this idea forward was like the the top questions that you get asked in -hmm. your role right as a support raising you know training mentor coach and and i'm like Mm -hmm. i wonder how close these will mirror what (laughs) we face right in uh in Mm -hmm. in in our role and uh no surprise really um you know what they uh they 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 actually came uh very close right so (laughs) yeah i mean that's what you said i was wondering though if if that was true because i i gave you that email that gave you those four questions and i was wondering is that what your population is asking some of these four questions? And we're teasing you guys here, but, you know, we both know what they are. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Uh, so, like, the first the first question on the list, right? How do mm-hmm. I do good follow-up and how do I keep it from feeling awkward, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a call with somebody today, and this was essentially one of their biggest concerns and questions. Mm-hmm. 
How do I do it? And uh, we all know when we've gone to an extreme, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, for example, frequency is a question about, you know, how do how do I do good follow up? Well, once mm-hmm. a month calling somebody, you know, uh, may not be enough. Uh, Ten times a day, obviously too much. Where's mm-hmm. the sweet spot in between? Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's not always an easy. It's just not always an easy question to answer because it feels mm-hmm. like it could be depending on the circumstances. Right. Well, and you run the gamut of so many different, you know, circumstances, options, nuances yeah. that, yeah, it is hard to answer that question concisely. Right. But I think I'm getting there. I'm getting there, girl. <laughs> well, let me ask you, when you say that when you when you put that question out there, how do I do, do good follow up? What exactly mm-hmm. is the context for follow up that you're thinking about? Yeah, I guess maybe we should define what follow up is for, yeah. the, for you know, those that may not know or maybe are vague on the term, but Mm -hmm. really follow up to me, you could use the term circle back and it could kind of be the same thing, but really what I'm talking about here and the question that I get, and I think we're on the same page here is after an appointment, after you've made the ask, after you've talked to somebody face to face um, and talked to them about joining some aspect of your support team and uh, put that number in front of them, you know, shut your mouth and let them talk the um, next and they have an answer. Uh, that follow-up is really, if somebody says anything but the words no there, like <laughs> insert maybe, insert I need to pray about it, insert yes, okay. um, insert I'm going to do this tomorrow morning, whatever it is. Um, if that if that is there, then there is a need for follow-up afterwards. And that is what I mean by follow-up. What happens after the appointment Yes. Um, to get a commitment or a maybe or a I'm going to pray about it into an actual answer. That's yes. what I'm talking about with follow-up. Mm-hmm. Right. And that question does come up a lot for us. Somebody mm-hmm. said yes, but I haven't seen the pledge come through, right? Right. It hasn't, it hasn't been mailed in yet or filled out online. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, so can I get into it? Can I answer that question a little bit? Or at least I give would, you a, a, I, I am, thoughts? I am uh, literally on the edge of my seat. If I get in closer <laughs> to the edge of my seat, I will fall off right now. I, I'm well, very I do interested. Have a, I do have a blog post on this. Uh, the blog is Jen Fortner, two N's, Fortner, like Fort and N-E-R mm-hmm. um, dot com. And that's going to be on there a couple of times. Uh, yep. I think throughout the, the life of the blog, I've answered that. So if you Google that, you'll find a little bit more on this. Mm-hmm. But really, I say with follow-up, how do I do good follow-up? Um, how do I not make it awkward? My first part to this answer is always, always, always good follow-up always starts at the appointment. Okay. Okay. It mm-hmm. doesn't start after the appointment. It doesn't start, you know, when, after you feel like you need to follow up with somebody, it always starts at the appointment. Mm-hmm. And essentially, like I just said earlier, if you get an answer that's anything but the answer no, and that kind of has its own category, you there is a need for follow up after that appointment. So you need to set the expectations that you will be following up after this is over in some way, shape or form, depending on the answer. So let's get into a couple of different, you know, scenarios. Here. Yes. So Daryl, if you were to say to me, Jen, I would love to hop on your partnership team at a hundred dollars a month. I'm going to go online and give first thing tomorrow when I get a chance mm-hmm. and I will do that. And I say, awesome. So what do I say in response as far as follow-up is concerned? I would probably say to you, 
Great, Daryl. Thank you so much. I'm super excited um, to have you as a part of my team. Would you just let me know whenever you get the chance to do that online so I can make sure it goes through on my end? Mm -hmm. And also, if I don't happen to see it go through sometime uh, tomorrow morning and I don't get that text for you, I might just give you a text um, or give you a call and give you a shout out to see if there's anything that you need along with that. Yes. So that's what I would do if, if I said if you said that um, one response. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. Very much in line with what we recommend to staff because uh, I would say it's really important to make the process as easy for your partner as possible. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, that means you take responsibility for doing the work, right? Not not asking them to do work uh, when you can be the one. I call that putting the ball in your court. And I think it's Mm -hmm. very, very important to keep that in mind. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So the other, you know, say you were to say to me, Daryl, um, you know what? I, you say, you say to me, Jen, I would really like to join your team, but I need to pray about an amount and I need to talk to my wife. So let me get back to you um, at some point, maybe sometime in the next couple of weeks, but I need a chance to pray about that. Mm-hmm. My response would be, that is awesome. I will be praying with you. So excited that, um, you know, it's a possibility. And even, you know, joining some aspect of my team would be awesome, Daryl. I'm super, super excited. Mm-hmm. Um, is it okay? Would two, two weeks from now is going to be around September 1st. Would it be okay or appropriate if I could give you a text or a call just to find out if you and your wife have had time to pray about it and if that's ample time? And then you say, great, Jen. Yeah, give me a text. And then I say, something, you know, along the lines of, great, I'll give you a text around September 1st and find out if you've come to any decisions at that point. So yeah. again, mm-hmm. I'm setting the expectation that I will be following up with them yes. at the appointment, even mm-hmm. if they say, you know, I'm just praying about it. And it's kind of the same similar situation. If you say, you know what, maybe I need to think about it. Give me a few days. Then I'll say, I'm going to set the time frame for mm-hmm. when I'm going to follow up. And then I'm going to ask if a text or a phone call would be more appropriate. And I just like to do that just because some people are texting people. Yes. Some people are phone call people. Yes. So I like to give them that option and let them decide from there. Absolutely. Right. And knowing the person that you're dealing with, because this process is so relational, you, you should be able to figure that out pretty easily. Is, is, a, is a text or a phone call going to be the best way for that person to communicate? Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I will add in there just because we are talking about texting. I do not believe that texting for an appointment, like prior to the appointment. So, you know, the first kind of line is asking for um, an appointment and a text. I don't Mm -hmm. agree with that. I don't think that that's the best way forward. Yes. Um, Yeah. It's just something that I really feel like texting before an appointment can really read like a billboard. Um, so if I were to text you, Daryl, and to say something like, Daryl, I would love for you to join some um, aspect of my team. Can I take you out? You know, can I take you and your wife out to dinner? Yep. And, um, you know, basically ask for an appointment in the, the uh, text. That word finances, which needs to be mentioned somewhere prior to actually sitting down with them face to face, is just going to read like a billboard to you. Hmm. And perhaps you're going to look at it and go, you know what, I'm going to respond to that later and get to that at another time instead of hearing my voice on the phone and having me go through and talk and ask for an appointment uh, Mm -hmm. via phone. And sometimes I do like to incorporate a text before a phone call and say to somebody, hey, do you have time for a quick two to three minute phone call? Right. But that's it. I'm not going to ask for anything else on a text message. I want to try to call them before I move into the phone call. 
Yes. Sorry, that's a little bunny trail there. No, but it's 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 a it's a relevant point. It it comes up, and I I've I've waffled on that a little bit myself in terms of what I would recommend to people. Sometimes I say, "Hey, you know, you know the person, and if normally, like, if it's somebody that you normally correspond with by text, then Mm -hmm. maybe texting for a coffee appointment is Mm -hmm. is is maybe not a bad thing." Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that I would have to say, you know, statistically, right? We 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 know that phone calls work better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's that somebody is is tempted to check their text messages and go, oh, they're mm-hmm. asking for an appointment to talk about money. No, I don't want to get to that. Yep. Instead of, hey, do you have time for a quick two to three minute phone call? And even if you're a millennial. And this is not something that you're used to. Like, say you've never called one of, you know, your closest friends before because you're just texting. Yep. Um, it would get their attention enough to where they would talk to you on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it would it would let you, allow you to have the ability to chat with them for a few minutes for them to hear your heart a little bit and ask for the um, appointment all at the same time. So it's a little bit more of a relational approach as well instead of just sort of texting and hoping mm-hmm. for the best. Um, and in tendency with text messages, we sometimes we tend to over communicate with them um, as opposed to, you know, just letting our, you know, the the things that are coming out audio are um, a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit more um, specific and uh, a little bit more geared towards that relational aspect, hmm. I believe. So right. there's a lot of reasons there. I have some more listed on my blog as well, if you want to Google that one. Yep. Um, but yeah, I really do think that staying away from the text message, unless it's a place where you have not been able to reach them on the phone and you've called several times um, and then moving into another form of communication, then I would go for it. That that actually ties very closely to a question that came uh, to me recently where somebody was leaving some messages and not hearing back from a person. Mm-hmm. How often... You know, how frequently should somebody be following up? And this probably yeah, and touches. Actually, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. The next, the next question out of those four that we discussed, what if I can't reach somebody on the phone? What do right. I do? Um, well, with the voicemail yeah. questions specifically, like mm-hmm. what do I do if I'm leaving voicemails and I don't get a response? You know, I think there's a lot of different speakers are going to tackle this a little differently. Mm-hmm. You may have a different feeling on this than I do as an educator in the world of part- uh, financial partnership development. And I think Support Reasoning Solutions has it a little bit differently than I do as well. But my personal feeling on that is the first time that I make a phone call, um, I actually don't leave a voicemail. Okay. So I will let it go and, and not leave a voicemail. And then the second time, it makes you feel like you've got a little bit more leeway to call somewhat uh, quicker and without any sort of awkwardness involved. So the first time I might call you, Daryl, say you don't answer, I'm just yes. going to hang up and not okay. take, leave a voicemail. All right. And then, and before that, Daryl, I might have texted you and say, hey, do you have time for a quick two to three minute phone call? Mm-hmm. And then say you don't answer that text message. Maybe I still call you that evening or maybe I still call you the next day. And I still feel like I have the leeway to do that because it's right. not really beyond text etiquette to do that, right? So I've now texted you. I've called you on the phone. I didn't leave a voicemail the first time. I just hung up. Mm-hmm. And then I might call you sometime in the next 24 hours or so. And then this time I'm going to leave a voicemail. Mm-hmm. And within the voicemail, I'm going to say, again, let's let's talk about this, put the ball in your court situation. 
in the vo in the voicemail, I'm not going to say to you, "Hey, Daryl, give me that call back whenever it works for you." Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say, "Hey, Daryl, I'm just calling in um, reference to the letter that I sent." P.S. If you did send did send a letter, sometimes that doesn't happen beforehand. But hey, I'm just calling in, in reference to the letter that I sent, or maybe you say, "Hey, Daryl, I'm just calling in reference to an upcoming ministry assignment that I've got coming up." Um, I would love to talk to you sometime soon. If you could give me a call back, that would be awesome. If not, I'll try to reach you sometime in another time in the next couple of days to see if I can catch you. Talk mm -hmm. to you soon. God okay. bless. Bye. So okay. on that voicemail, I'm putting the ball in my court, but I'm also giving you the option to call me back. Does that make sense? Right. So, so I'm getting into the weeds. Are you cool? Am I that, cool? So Are far, good? so good. But you did, you did raise <laughs> okay. this question. So you've done all the good stuff. But you yeah. can't get that person on the phone. Yeah, right. What do you, what do, you do? What do you right? do? So I would say um, I always tell the the population, the the missionaries that I work with, I say, you never take somebody completely off your list. Mm -hmm. If somebody doesn't answer the phone and say you've called, you know, I've I. I text messaged you. I didn't leave a voicemail. Now I've left a voicemail. Now I'm going to call again sometime in the next 48 hours um, and try to reach you at a different time. And that didn't work. And I leave another voicemail. Mm -hmm. Hey, Daryl, just trying to get a hold of you. Um, would love to hear from you soon. I'll try to call back maybe to catch you at another time on your lunch break or something. God mm -hmm. bless. Talk soon. Right. So now I've, I've left two voicemails. I've called three times. Um, and now I'm going to space it out a little bit, you know, within like a couple days to a week um, and let it go a little bit farther before I call again. Mm -hmm. So my basic rule of thumb is always go two to three times beyond what you're comfortable calling. And then you sm switch mode of communication. So from there, Daryl, I might, you know, if I can't reach you on the phone, I might switch mode of communication, say I have your email address or say I have your um, your Facebook or something like that, or I might text message you again and just say, hey, I've been trying to reach you. Um, would love to talk to you about an upcoming ministry assignment that I've got coming up. Um, you know, let me know if you would like to talk via email or try to call me back and would love to talk to you soon mm -hmm. and see what happens from there. Yeah. Um, and then if you, I, you still don't respond to my email um, or whatever I sent, then I might like, I'm going to probably put you on a list of other people that are in such category and I'm never going to completely take you off my list, but I might have an actual like piece of paper with people's names on it that I could not reach. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to table it for a little bit. I'm going to let it go for a, a month or two. Yeah. But by the time that I reach like around 80 to 90% or so, I might reach back out again and just say, Hey, getting close to 100%. I know that I didn't get a chance to talk to you, but I didn't want to assume that this wasn't something you'd like information on. Okay. And I might give you a little bit of information, like a website link or something that you could um, follow up with on your own if that's something that's you know interesting to you. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be very gracious and curious, um, cautious with all of this as well. Right. And you know, if that sounds too obtrusive. I think that a good good rule of thumb is you know your relationships obviously better than I do, right. but you also know the motivations of your heart. And if you are just scared and you don't want to go that two to three times beyond because uh -huh. you're fearing rejection, uh -huh. I think that you need to check your heart there. Hmm. But I also think that you need, need to you know realize the parameters with which all of your different relationships work and rely upon. So yeah. does that make sense? It really, it really does. And I think that if uh, you know if we followed that type of practice, we'd probably be able to proceed safely without feeling like things 
we're getting uh, awkward is, <laughs> is, is kind of that thought uh, which people want to avoid. I'm, I'm yeah. curious. I'm going to put you on the spot. Have sure. you personally ever had a situation that you felt was really awkward? <laughs> um, you know, I haven't in a, in a long time. And maybe it's because I hold that. And I mean, yes, sure. But in that context, I think I hold the stance that, how, how do I put it? Um, that they are, I hold it loosely in my heart. And I don't know how to say it any better than that. Mm-hmm. Um the yeses and the nos and, you know, the relationships. Um, I, I think I have come to a real, to realization over the years that as a personal, you know, um, I have personal stewardship goals. I believe in the great commission. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in missions and as somebody that's in that boat, um, I would love to personally support my friends and even people that have been, you know, off of my peripheral edges of, friendship for six or seven years. I would still love to hear from them about what they're doing. So I think I position myself in that place where I'm going to, I'm going to flip the the switch and not think about so much about how I'm doing the asking, but how, um, you know, how it feels to be asked. And it, for me, it feels good because I want to be a part of what people are doing. And if I, as an asker and putting people in the position where it feels good because they're feeling as a vital um, aspect and part of the Great Commission, then if they say yes or no based off of their own stewardship goals, I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. Um, If they say no because they're supporting somebody else in a different part of the the world or an area that moves their heart, I'm I'm great with that, but I'm going to find my team. So Mm -hmm. yes, it's been awkward for sure at times, but I think I've moved from that place for a while now where I just hold it loosely in my heart because I know that God's got his team in front of me. Right. And and that um, getting to that place um, is, 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 you know, so dependent on our posture, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, really saturating the process in prayer is so mm-hmm. important, obviously, right, to, to get there. Jen. Yeah, and I can sound like a cheerleader, and, and I realize you that. do, but, but you sound like a champion so for, for, for partnership, always. you know, development, which is, again, why we're so glad <laughs> that you could be part of this conversation. Uh, here's the cool, cool thing right now, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. So when, when, when Jen and I were talking, preparing for this, um, she had four questions. We've addressed two. And uh, here's the deal. We're, we're going to leave the next two for the next podcast to give you a reason to come back. Make sure you subscribe <laughs> and uh, make sure you're ready for the next podcast because we are going to discuss the, the, the two remaining questions of, of uh, what I will now call Jen's top four. Maybe that'll be the title. Does that, make, does that work? <laughs> so, so Jen, again, if people want, in the meantime, if people want to check out your blog and other resources, where do they do that? Yeah, so you go to jenfortner.com, um, two N's, and Fortner is spelled F-O-R-T-N-E-R, and you'll mm-hmm. be able to find it there. Um, I've also got a book, and you can find it wherever you get your online books, um, like Amazon or uh, the iBook store, etc. And you can also find that information on my blog as well. Okay. And uh, we'll get some links up to that along with the podcast. So you'll be able to find those resources as well. I'll give you a little teaser. We're going to talk a little bit about social media next time. And uh, Jen, thank you so much for taking time to be part of our uh, podcast. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs>